Awesome. Great to see you all. Hello, everybody. I didn't get this right again. Sorry. 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful to see your smiling faces today. Um, if you are uh, new or relatively new, maybe this is the first time you've ever been here. We, uh, as Julie said, we're having what's called a welcome gathering right after today's service. And that's going to be right out in the lobby. There's a table set up there with a sign on it that says welcome gathering. And I'll be leading that today. You'll get a chance to meet me. I'd love to meet you. Uh, and uh, I'll give you a chance to ask any questions that you might have, and I'll tell you a little bit more about mercy. So it shouldn't take that long. I just would love to meet you right after service to meet us right there at the table that says welcome gathering. Looking forward to meeting you there. So let us uh, continue our series. We're in a series called Freedom. We want to see what Jesus has to say about our freedom. So let's get started uh, with prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to explore this freedom that you have given to us as a gift. You are the one who have created us. You are the one who's redeemed us. You are the one who has set us free. So God, help us to walk in that today. Enlighten us in your word and allow your word to penetrate our hearts so that we can be free, we can connect with others to be free, and we can set others free. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Free. We are free in community. Now, have you ever connected with someone who contributed to a change in your life? Whether it was bad or whether it was good. Maybe you connected with someone who, who connected you with a bad habit that seemingly has you trapped in a downward spiral of despair. Or, or maybe you connected with someone who set you up for a future of success. I remember when I was in grad school, I sat next to this one guy in grad school. I didn't know him from Adam, but we started talking. And come to find out, he was a media professional. I was in media at the time, and uh, he was working for a university. So we got to chatting, got to talking to each other about uh, our backgrounds. And um, he, he actually told me, he said, hey, we need someone like you at the university. I said, someone like me? Okay, this is weird. I, I don't know if I'm at that level yet, but okay. And so he said, can I take your information and give it to my boss? I said, sure. So he connected me with his boss, who was the chair of a department. He offered me my first university position as an assistant professor at Delaware State University. And then from there, the, that chair of that department retired. He retired. He moved down south to South Carolina. And then somebody convinced him to take another job as a chair of the department at a university in South Carolina. And as he took that job, guess who he called to be on his faculty? Me, yours truly. And so I got went, I relocated to South Carolina. I connected with the community down there. But that was awesome. It was great to connect with that job. But what was really great was that I connected with the love of my life. I connected with this beautiful woman. She had this beautiful smile. And I said, oh, my goodness, I got to get to know her. She didn't want nothing to do with me at first, right? But I, I kicked my game. You know what I'm saying? I kicked the game. 
But anyway, we got to know each other and we got married. What a wonderful uh, uh, connection. You see, I thank God and I'm grateful to Jesus for those connections that he's placed in my life, right? Those connections that he's placed in my life has allowed me to live a life of freedom to operate in my gifting, of freedom to live this life to be all that he's created and redeemed me to be, to live a life with the love of my life because of the connections that he's placed in my life. No matter what the situation that you are going through in your life, whether it's good, bad, or you're indifferent, the quality of our connections actually helps us to achieve the freedom that we need to be all that Jesus has created and redeemed us to be. So I believe that there is a story in the scriptures that really helps us to to see this principle and helps us to really experience the freedom that we've all been gifted. And that story is a historical account of a group of people who uh, were generationally uh, in bondage, generationally oppressed. Right? They found themselves in a horrible situation when they tried to get themselves free. And they tried to get themselves free, but it wasn't until they connected with an individual, with a group of people, that they actually experienced their freedom. So I believe that we can see and experience and and really be encouraged by this story for our own freedom. Now, this is the story of the Hebrew people found in the book of Exodus. So we're going to be in the book of Exodus today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Exodus chapter 2, or you can follow along on the screens. Let me give you a little bit of background. Chapter 2 of Exodus uh, introduces us to a little boy who was born, Hebrew boy, born to his Hebrew mother, and they uh, uh, were trying to escape this bondage. You see, this little boy was born and there was a a, a command from the Egyptian government to kill off any male children that were born to the Hebrew people. And so his mom tried to hide him for as long as she could. She, she, she wrapped him up. If after three months, she couldn't hide him anymore, wrapped him up, put him in a basket and put the baby by the Nile River on the bank. The story tells us that the Pharaoh's daughter is actually bathing in the Nile River at this time. And she hears the cry of a baby. She goes over to the baby. She takes the baby out. She unwraps it. It's a little boy. And she decides to raise this baby as her very own. Maybe you've heard this story in uh, the Disney movie, The Prince of Egypt. Or maybe you've read it in the scriptures for yourself. She names this baby boy Moses. Now, this baby boy named Moses is very famous. We we hear a lot about him. But years go by, and Moses grows up in this royal family. He he grows up with privilege in this royalty. But Moses sees that he's not the same as the folks that are out there being beaten and oppressed. Moses sees that he he is the same as those people that's out there being beaten and oppressed. He sees that he's not the same as his adopted parents. He's not the same as these people in the palace. And that weighs on him. He has this tension going on on the inside of him. You can read the whole book to get the whole story. But he sees that the people out there who were his people were being oppressed. Let me talk a little bit about oppression before we move forward. Just like a minute and 20 seconds on oppression. You see, oppression's only job is to keep you from being all that God has created you to be. 
You see, the oppressor always wants to use people to fulfill their self-centered agenda. Oppressors don't want the oppressed to be educated or knowledgeable or to learn about what God has in store for their lives. Because you would break free if you really knew. In American slavery, we know that the slave Bibles that the slave masters gave to the slaves, the book of Exodus was actually removed from those Bibles. Because if you knew that you were designed to be free, you're going to cause some trouble. And so these people are in bondage here under these oppressors who don't want them to be free. And that's why each one of us, no matter what situation we're in right now, we need to know and understand and really absorb in our own lives that we are free because Jesus makes us free. You are free right now, whether you feel like it or not. We need to know that Jesus has set us free because if we don't know that for ourselves, anybody can define our reality for us. Anyone can define our reality. Our relationships can define our reality. People can define our reality. Codependency, lust can define our reality. Abusive relationships, self-centeredness, greed, money can define our reality. Ethnicity, culture, race, and racism can define our reality. The news media, politics can define our reality. Your preacher and that pastor you like to watch online can define you and your reality if you're not careful. But there's no one who has access to defining you except for Jesus. I don't have that power. Don't give me that power. I don't want it. Don't let anybody have the power to define you. Don't give them that power. You see, Jesus created you and he's the only one who has access to your spirit. An oppression or oppressor will always try to crush your spirit to make you stay where you are, to be content with what you've been dealt. So we need to, when we find ourselves being defined by others, when we find ourselves being oppressed by others, when we find ourselves being controlled by others and their ideas, we need to, first thing, we need to cry out to God. Cry out. Look at Exodus chapter 2, verse number 23. It says that after a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor. They cried out and their cry for help because of the difficult labor uh, ascended to God. God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the Israelites and God knew. You see, the Israelites did not groan or cry out for a long time. You can see right there. It was a long time. If we do our research, we find out it's been centuries that they've been in this situation. Now, it wasn't until after this particular Pharaoh died that they come to this realization that there's going to be a change in leadership. 
In other words, they were in this thing for a long time and they got comfortable in their oppression. Comfortable in their own demise. What are you comfortable with? What are you accepting in your life that ought not be? Examine your own life and find out what's oppressing you. Oppressors just didn't happen 400 years ago. You can be oppressed right now. Later on in the book, we find out that uh, uh, these people, the Israelite people, they, they, some of their needs were getting met. You see, they had housing. They had food. They had uh, what they needed, right, to get by. Matter of fact, Pharaoh's army was bringing them the materials that they needed in order to do their job. When we get caught up in the perceived benefits of a relationship, sometimes we don't even realize we're the ones being oppressed. <laughs> I can, yeah. <laughs> we can get so caught up in the perceived benefits of a relationship that we don't realize we are the ones being oppressed. And it's on the recording too, so y'all can go to vineyard, <laughs> mercyvineyard.org. And hear the recording. Have you ever tried to get yourself out of an oppressive situation on your own? How'd that work for you? It's kind of difficult. Often, too often, when we are in distress, we isolate. When we are uh, in distress, we separate ourselves because we don't want everybody all in our business. You don't need to know what's going on with me. Oh, we don't want other people to make a big deal out of our situation. You see, in Western culture especially, we often think that we have to do everything on our own. We want to be individuals. Unfortunately, we celebrate those attitudes. We celebrate folks who say they pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps, who, who, who built their company out of nothing, who, 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 who did everything on their own like they never had a mama. I gave birth to myself. <laughs> we admire lone rangers, but that is not Christianity. That's not Jesus. We are freer in community than we are alone. Instead of seeking our own way individually, why not invite others in? No matter what our situation, whether it's good or bad, we can uh, connect with others. Everything is better together. Everything is better when we have somebody by our side. There are pastors, professionals, and people who are willing to connect in your life to help you out. But we can't get free until we learn to trust each other, until we learn to confide in one another we need to learn to cry out for help when we are in need because God can give you who you need when you need it I remember when I relocated to South Carolina I relocated to South Carolina and I was church hopping it means I was going to all different churches I was hopping from this church to that church, and this one church I found, I, I, I thought it was a nice church. I said, oh, this is good. I'm going to go back the next week. I enjoyed myself. Met some new people. Cool. 
I went back the next week. I said, oh, that was nice. I went back the third week and something supernatural happened. I found myself at the altar. I don't know how I got there. Have you ever had that experience? You're sitting in your seat and then all of a sudden, how did I get here? Up here crying and stuff. And all of a sudden, I see the pastor standing there right next to me. Now, some of y'all have stood next to me. Well, this guy was six foot seven. <laughs> and I, saw, I said, well, I'm in a David and Goliath type situation. I don't have my slingshot on me today. But uh, so he's standing there and I just start rambling at the mouth. I don't know. The Lord is taking control here. I'm like, I, I just want to let you know the Lord is telling me to say this right now that uh, uh, the Lord brought me here and I have this background in discipleship and evangelism and I'm just here. Use me. He said, boy, I prayed for you three days ago. I prayed to God, will you send me, God, somebody who is passionate in discipleship, somebody who has experience in evangelism. And here you standing in front of me right now. God will send you who you need, when you need it, if you cry out and let him know what you need. You see, too often we try to do it on our own. And God is the last person on the list that we call. We need to learn to cry out to the Lord when we are in need. The second thing we need to learn to do is to connect. You see, God calls Moses in this story to go and be the one to set the people free, to go and make this connection with the Pharaoh and say, hey, set God's people free so they can go and worship. But I don't know if any of y'all know the story, but Moses says, I can't do that. Uh-uh. Why you call me? Like you call all these other people, anybody else in the world. Why me, Lord? I can't do this on my own. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit stirring something on the inside of you? Like, Gary, go do that. Gary, go talk to that person. Gary, I want you to go get involved here. Gary, pick up your stuff and move to another city. What did you do when you felt that? Did you cower? away? Did you, or did you ask for help? Did you say, yeah, I'm going to go full force? I just remember, I thank God for his mercy because I haven't always been obedient in those situations. Oftentimes, God has told me to do something or nudged me or gave me a strong feeling to do something. And I'm like, Mm-mm, not your boy. You better call somebody else, God, if you want that done. And he's blessed me with additional chances over and over again to get it right. You see, even if you fail the test, God will allow you to take it again till you get it right. Exodus chapter 4 verse 27 says, Now the Lord had said to Aaron, go and meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and met him. At the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the Israelites. You see, if you read the full Exodus story, you'll see that Moses did a whole lot of complaining. Lord, I, I can't do this because I, I don't speak well. I have a speech impediment, Lord, so you got to find somebody else. Lord, they're not going to listen to me. 
Because, you know, I used to be up in that royal palace. They, they're not going to listen to me because they're going to think I'm one of them. They, 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 God, I got every excuse in the book for you to choose somebody else. You know I can't do this on my own, God. I'm just a little old me. And the text says that God sent Aaron to help Moses out. Not only did he reconnect these brothers, but then those two brothers went and connected with another group, the elders of the Israelites. See, they found the importance of being in a small group, in a connect group. They needed somebody to pray for them. They needed to surround them, themselves with people who believe the same thing as them. So that they want to do Christianity alone. I'm sure you've had those conversations, especially after I've, heard, I've talked to many people and they, they give me all kind of excuses why they want to do Christianity alone right now. They want to separate themselves. I'm not going to do the church, but I still believe in Jesus. Maybe they say the, the political climate or church has this type of reputation or they've been hurt in the church or COVID. They make that excuse, right? They make every excuse in the book. But let me tell you, that is a trick of the enemy. It is a trick of the enemy to feel like you can do this Christian walk alone. God doesn't call us to that. Some people want this Jesus without the church attachment. But let me tell you, that is the divide and conquer strategy of the enemy. That's his plan. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. He separate y'all from God. I'm going to separate y'all from each other. I'm going to let y'all be mad. Adam said, she did it. She gave me that fruit. Instead of taking responsibility. Individualism is the idea that I can do everything on my own or do it my way. But that is just another form of bondage. It's a form of bondage because we think that it brings us freedom to be by ourselves. But God said that's just self-centeredness. We are made to be in community. Read Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 for yourself. God made us for community and we are freer in community than we ever are alone. So what is it that you've been called to? What is it that God is stirring in your soul right now? What is it that you have passion for? God doesn't want you to do that alone. He wants you to team up with some, somebody else with that same passion, that same drive, that same interest. So you can make a greater mark on this world together. So connecting in community isn't just about coming to church. Connecting in community in this church is great. Let me tell you, 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 you uh, uh, when you attend a larger church gathering, that's wonderful. It's great for your soul. It does a, a wonderful uh, a job of encouraging you to get through the week. But in this large gathering, nobody knows you. Nobody knows the real you. And no one can get to know the real you in a, such a large gathering. No offense to the large gathering. We need the large gathering. The first church had the 3,000 that got saved and they met together. But it also says in Acts chapter 2 that they also went and moved to their small groups in homes. We need that personal connection. God designed us to be together in community. 
You see, here at Mercy, we have three different types of community groups that we would love for you to connect in to help you and to help you help others. The first one is called a connect group. A connect group is a group of people who gather intentionally to do an activity that they all enjoy or all want to learn about. It's a great, uh, a low bar, first step. If you want to get to meet people in in a safe environment, that's awesome. Get into a connect group. There are also growth groups. Growth groups are where uh, you intentionally get together regularly with people. You might learn something. You might learn more about God and yourself. You might uh, 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 be challenged and encouraged. You certainly will develop a deeper sense of community. There's also impact groups that we have. And an impact group is designed to be a group of people who partner with God, see what God is up to, and then they connect with the outside community and do some work out there, giving their time, their energy, their resources, prayer, to engage and be outward focused, to get outside of the four walls. Actually, that's the great commission. God said, go and not stay inside. So if we get together in smaller settings and open up to each other in a comfortable environment, we could be known. We could be heard. We can can, uh, 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 feel like we have a greater sense of freedom, freedom from loneliness, freedom from invisibility, and certainly freedom from that independence that we feel like we have to have. It wasn't until I had one of these experiences that I found the, the value of it. You see, when I, I remember connecting with a group and uh, we had a great time. We, we enjoyed each other's company. Uh, we did fun things, but we also read uh, the Bible together. We learned lessons together. We prayed together. Uh, uh, we let our children run around together and that grew us closer together. So when crisis struck my family, guess who stepped up to help me out? That group that I had this deep bond with. This group that I took my time and my wife, we took our time to get to know them and they got to know us. So then when I was in need, guess who bought me meals? Guess who who, who loved on me and my family? Guess who who prayed for us and cared for us and encouraged us in our challenging situation? That group. See, we we all have this deep desire to be connected to something greater than ourselves, and uh, uh, we should want to be connected with something greater than ourselves. Jesus makes us free, and he wants us to be free in community. So we need to connect with community. So you can sign up for a group uh, right there on your mobile device, on, on the website, or you can stop by one of the tables right after service and connect uh, with somebody there who can help you to get the right group for yourself. Now, last point, and I'm out of here. The last thing that we need to do, we need to learn to do is to care. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 says, Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in, Israel, in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and with honey. 
God is saying, I care about oppressed people. And because I care about oppressed people, I want you to care about oppressed people. Matter of fact, if you read the whole story, read the whole story this week. Why don't you read the whole book of of Exodus? It'd be a great exercise for all of us. But later on, we see that God tells Moses and Aaron, I want y'all to do something about this. I want y'all to get in there and help oppress people. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to lead you. I want you to listen to me. It's not going to be easy, but I want you to get involved personally and do something about this. Jen Hatmaker wrote in her book of Mess and Moxie, freed people, free people. But when we are still locked in our own prisons, it is impossible to crave the liberation of others. You see, we need to get ourselves free so we can help somebody else get free. What does freedom look like in 2021? What does it look like to help others get free in 2021? Or what would Moses and Aaron be doing if they were in Mercy Vineyard Church right now? You know what they would be doing? They would get connected to a group. They would get connected to a group, just like we read in a story, that is passionate about a topic or issue that they are passionate about. They would join a group that that focuses on this passion and they would make a plan to partner with some organization outside of the church so they can make a greater impact. They would see the challenges that's going on in our society right now and want to make an impact in that, not just what they want. They would see and, and have a passion and desire to see unfree people become free. They would see the problems with poverty, the problems with homelessness, the problems with gentrification, the problems with economic uh, uh, disparity, the problems with racial division. And they would get involved with how to make solutions in those areas. Maybe they would start working on their own self and their own stuff that they're going through. Have you ever been through some stuff? You need to get with a group. So you can help to deal with your own stuff, your own depression, your own uh, uh, challenges, your own mental health, being around other people. You and a group can make a whole lot happen. My wife, uh, as I close this out, my wife um, is a wonderful human being. That's why I love her. But she uh, worked for Syracuse University. And um, she saw the challenges there, and she started a a few different groups on the campus. And one of those groups was trying to uh, recognize freedom for all people. And so what they talked about was, what if the university could recognize Juneteenth as an actual holiday? And so what they did was they they wrote up a proposal, they submitted it to the highest people on the campus of the university, not really expecting to hear anything. But then all of a sudden, an email went out to the entire university that this year on June 19th, we will celebrate as an official university holiday, Juneteenth. And it was amazing. It was awesome that all people could be re- re- recognized as free. It was great because the, one of the electricians on campus, I remember, called my wife and said, thank you so much for your work in helping uh, uh, everyone recognize the freedom of all people. And I appreciate the day off, too. <laughs> you see, you plus a group can do anything. 
if Jesus is with you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, if you can get with the right group, with the right passions, the right desires, there's nothing that's beyond your reach. We are freer in community than we will ever be alone. Now, when I connected with that media professional, y'all remember that, right? And he connected me to the chair of that department. And that chair of the department relocated to Syracuse. And then he connected me with that, I mean, uh, South Carolina. And then he connected me with South Carolina. I got a job down there. And I connected with the beautiful, wonderful Lakita who became my wife. Now, my wife told me she had this connection in Syracuse, New York. And then what we did was relocated to Syracuse, New York, so she could pursue her uh, job, her happiness. And then we connected with the Vineyard Church in Syracuse, New York. And for 12 years, we were at the Vineyard Church in Syracuse, New York. And those connections that I made there in Syracuse, New York, at the Vineyard Church, connected with the connections here at the Mercy Vineyard Church that bring us two together. And now we have the potential together to be greater than we have ever been separated. Together we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We have some great potential that we can get involved in, that we can do some great things together. We're not going to do it separate, y'all. We got to come together because we are greater, we are freer together. We could do more things together than we can ever do alone. So keep that in mind this week, all right? Keep that in mind as you go through your week that you don't want to necessarily just be an individual. You want to be an individual connected in the group. Father, thank you so much for this word that you've given. I pray that you would uh, continue to grow us in your truth, grow us in community, and lead us and guide us in all of the ways of your truth. I pray that you would uh, connect us with the right community, the right groups this week, that you would uh, uh, not allow us to be lonely and alone, that you would bring somebody into our lives as we cry out to you, the right person, the right group, the right team, that we can be freer in community than we ever could be alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.